You're listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To learn more about the Collective Church in Portland, Oregon, and Vancouver, Washington, visit us online at thecollectivechurch.com. I'm so honored to be able to introduce Laura. She is like Bob said, a disruptor of culture. She is a world changer. She is a powerhouse. And I want to encourage you guys this morning, lean into every word Laura has to say. It is powerful. She is um, anointed to teach. I don't know what you're talking about, but about sexuality, but you don't know either. This will be fun about um, spiritual warfare. Um, And how many guys know if you are talking about sexuality and or spiritual warfare, you're in for it with the devil. So this is a warrior right here. And she has been through the ringer. And I just honor you for um, standing here today and, and continuing to stand on the truth and declare the word of God with boldness and just unashamed. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's always like a family reunion. I just see a lot of familiar faces, and I just feel so loved and accepted by this body, and it it really is. It feels like coming home, and as I was sitting there listening to the worship, I thought, man, I'm going to intercede for this church because they just don't have enough talent. You know, it's sad. It's like they have to, it's like you have to suffer through worship because they, Lord, just bring them talent. You know, I'm kidding. Obviously, it's ridiculous, and I know that you're grateful for that. I also know that you know that serving God is so much bigger than talent, right? That's the world's way to get enamored by talent, by the eyes. And hi, guys. Sorry. See, I'm telling you, I see people I know. It's so good to see you all. Um, I'm going to open up in prayer this message that I have today. The Lord just was speaking to me. I thought it was just going to be between the two of us. And I found out on what, Thursday night? Yeah, you could, you know, speak on Sunday and I'm headed to a conference. So my God, you got to tell me what to say. And so I'm going to be obedient and share what he, he gave for me today. But I'm open in prayer. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you are present all the time, that you are in this place. We honor you. I thank you that we do not cater to a, a spirit of performance or striving, or any kind of manipulation or work of the flesh, even emotionalism. God, we trust you to do what only you can do. Give us hearts to receive. We do bind the evil one and all of his schemes. We bring the cross between us and all manner of witchcraft that would attempt to operate in this moment, in this place, in our minds. We silence the enemy in the name of Jesus, and we thank you, Good Shepherd. Now, I can't pray this for you. This has to be in your heart. Lord, we ask you, Good Shepherd, to speak. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak. We ask you to show us that thing we haven't wanted to see or acknowledged. We've been too afraid or too rebellious, whatever it is. Lord, we're, we, I can't do this on your part folks, but you can pray. I am giving you permission, Holy Spirit, to speak and show me that which I have not been willing or able or ready to see until this moment in Jesus' name. 1035, right? I just have to say that. Okay. Anyway, I have to know how long I have. So I'm just calling this the heart of God. Okay. I'm going to call it the heart of God and we're just going to take it 
um, a slide at a time. We are now in what I'm calling the age of spirituality. And here's what I mean by that. It wasn't that long ago if you had... For example, a youth group or you were ministering to students, you were trying to convince them that there's a demonic world out there. There's a supernatural world. And they're like, I don't know if I believe that, you know, that whole thing. And you're like, no, it's real, but I don't see it. You know, the whole thing. We're not there anymore. The junior hires are using crystals and casting spells and partnering with demonic things to get what they want. Now, they don't necessarily believe in God and they don't necessarily believe in biblical truth, but they believe in spirituality. It's a changing of the guard, so to speak. It's different and it happened quickly. And some of the most influential TikTokers are witches. And they're so empowering. You know, you can have that boy have a crush on you. You just say this spell. You don't ever have to be rejected again. I don't like rejection. I mean, gosh, I'm a seventh grader. That's appealing. So it's very seducing. And it's creeping into the church, which we're going to talk about. Oh, no, I can't even read that from here. Okay, good. I'll step over here. Look at this, 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10. It's talking about the man of lawlessness, also known as the Antichrist. This man of lawlessness, or the Antichrist, will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. Let that sink in a minute. Do you ever see politicians doing signs and wonders and miracles? I mean, that's not like our norm. But this is coming where it will be the norm. Like in the days of Egypt, they had the king had magicians cast a spell. It's is a very spiritual era that they're prophesying about here. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Why are they on their way to d- destruction? Is it because they're dumb? Is it because God doesn't love them? No, it says because they refuse to, I'm going to skip this, not just accept the truth, they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. Is truth a philosophy? Truth is a person. Truth is Jesus Christ. Truth has principles. And in a sense, you could say Jesus has philosophies for living, but truth is so much more than a philosophy. And we're called to love Jesus. You were made for connection. You were made for relationship. Religion will teach you how to serve Jesus without relating to Jesus and loving Jesus and knowing Jesus. That's religion right? That's not what we're in. We're not in dead religion. We're in relationship, right? Y'all with me? You're doing good. So look at this one. This is again foretelling. This is Jesus saying in Matthew 24, for false messiahs and false prophets will rise up. That means they'll be known and perform little bitty silly things. What does it say? Great signs and wonders so as to deceive If possible, even God's chosen ones. If possible, even you and me. And when Jesus says here, see, I have warned you about this ahead of time, that statement went boom in my spirit, because I want to tell you, I'm here to warn you ahead of time what's coming. And I, I would go as far as to say it's coming first in this region. I'm in Texas. I'm in the Bible Belt. And we got some bad stuff going on. Don't misunderstand me. But... Things come by region and spread, right? There's another friend. Hi. (laughs) 
So good to see you guys. I'm serious. All right. We should know that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. This is really hard to fathom because even the nicest, sweetest, godliest person we know, they got some quirks, right? And even on my best day, right? It's hard to fathom. Listen, in, in God, there's not any selfishness, none. Like, can you even wrap your mind around that? There's not any exaggeration or any um, ego. I mean, there's no darkness in him at all. So you say, well, then why in the world are you using that, that yin and yang symbol? Because this is what God was showing me. This is what God was showing me of a picture, a mental picture to show what's going on spiritually in this hour. I'm going to make some important statements here. Witches and new agers are incorporating Christian terminology. Great awakening. You can manifest this. The light. Love. Oh, they love the word love. They're using Christian terminology, but guess what? Christians, if we're not careful, are incorporating witchcraft and new age practices. This is happening. But the whole reason we're talking about this is because we don't have to succumb to this, not as a church and not as individuals. This is God being loving and warning us. And it's interesting you say cultural disruption because I'm like, that's kind of what this is. So I appreciate you saying that. All right, so how is this happening? Well, I'm just going to tell you how the Lord revealed it to me. So for nine beautiful, glorious years, um, we've been working on making the delusion fiction series that I, I wrote, God have me right, into a movie. Okay? I am so happy to share with you that we are on track to be in production summer 2023, movie release fall 2024. I know that seems like forever, but you know how that works. It'll be here. So it's so exciting, um, really neat. There's still some miraculous things that have to come together, like the millions of dollars, but I know that God is, is providing. So I'm working on a synopsis. I have to provide that for, anyway, it's a long story, my lawyer. And the, very, the way I end it, I'm talking about Owen, who's the main character in The Delusion, which is a, a series about spiritual warfare. And on the big screen, y'all, I'm telling you, I can't even tell you how crazy powerful it's going to be, but... I'm writing this synopsis, and I say that in the end, Owen, the protagonist, learns this universal truth that we cannot overcome the darkness until we first surrender to the light. That is what he learns. And of course, let me pause and say, when I talk about light, I'm not talking about good energy, positive thoughts and feelings. You know, I am talking about Jesus, the light. Look what he says. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, even that word follows is so important. You'll see why. We'll never walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life. You may know this, but on day one, remember the earth of creation, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the dark waters. It says that. Then God said on day one, let there be light. It's a releasing of Jesus into the world. He didn't make the sun till day four, guys. There's a light that supersedes the light. And he made plants before he made the sun. There's a life-sustaining light that is Jesus. This is powerful. I mean, here are these girls and boys getting caught up in crystals. It's like, that is so lame compared to what we really have. I mean, Jesus is the light of the world. This is like incredible. Incredible. 
okay? But here's what God was showing me. And it was one of those, like, I'm doing dishes moments, you know? I'm just like, mind my own business. And this is how the Lord revealed it to me of what's going on and has been going on in the body of Christ. Witches and new agers seek to master spiritual power and control outcomes. And that feels empowering. I mean, we love control, right? We love the idea that if I want that, I can have that if I just whatever. We, we love that feeling. Feeling that we don't have control is uncomfortable, you know? But look, as Christians, we're called to surrender to the spiritual power, which is Jesus, and we receive the outcomes that he brings our way. And you say, well, it just seems like a little nuance. It's not a little nuance. This is big. Grab onto this. Listen to what I'm saying. Let me give you an example of how this plays out. Surrendering versus mastering. Here's a scripture. Jesus talking. Light of the world. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And we grab hold of this and we say things like, if you have enough faith, you can speak to the mountains in your life, the oppositional circumstances, and they have to move because your words have power. And then we say things like, with your words, you can master the mountains of life. You can control the outcome of your circumstances. I didn't say your words aren't powerful. Listen how crafty. You know Satan's crafty. This wasn't going to be some easy to spot lie. Listen to what I'm saying. People interpret this to mean, oh, God has given me the ability to just say, you have to go. My husband went to a certain college. I'm not even going to say what it was. And they taught certain belief systems. And he said, if they said that a hurricane was going to come in, that the students would stand on their apartment balcony and use their words to push it back into the gulf, to push it away. Use my words, use my words, use my words. They believed there was power just in their words. Guess what? The witches and new agers believe that too. They believe there's a girl on TikTok that said, she said over and over, my eyes are not brown, my eyes are green. And if you look at her eyes, they are green and they used to be brown. She didn't do that in the name of Jesus. So she, she, and she teaches kids, you can use the power of your words. But here's the deal. No, God moves the mountain. God moves the storm. We ask him and we pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we know you have authority over storms. And we're asking to keep it out in that gulf, keep it from hitting us in Jesus name. It's not that we don't speak powerfully. And look, words are really powerful because you hear them. I can speak death. I can say, you're stupid to my child. And I have just crushed them. I can say, I believe in you and life comes into them. And there is something very powerful. I'm not saying that God himself who created the universe through words can't move his power through your words. But when you start thinking, I have great faith and my words are making things happen. Quit the church and go hang out with the pentagram people because you believe what they believe. You're right there with them. It's subtle, but it's a big deal to the heart of God, which we're about to find out why. But look what this next verse says right here. This is Jesus again. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, 
You ask. We're, we're letting our requests be known. We're not in charge. We're not telling God what to do. Whatever things you ask, when you pray, this is relational. This is relational. This is not transactional. This is relational. Believe. Trust God. This is relational. God takes it personal when we don't trust him. It feels like a personal assault on his character. Trust is not an emotion. I'm sitting in that chair. This is a message I've never done before. I kind of don't even remember all my slides because it came together at the last minute. I don't feel confident, if that makes sense. But I trust God. I'm not talking about a feeling that you're not in faith. Some of the most faith you will ever have is when you are eaten alive with fear, but you choose. You choose to trust. It's okay. Don't think, don't let the devil tell you you're not in faith because you have fear. No, I choose. That's so powerful. When he says believe, that choosing is counted unto you as belief that you will what? Receive. It's God doing the work. Remember, we're the bride of Christ. We receive from our groom. We're not controlling anything. And yes, you will have the things that you're asking for in the name of Jesus, according to his will, in his timing. Are you with me? I know you are. It's just something I say. Don't take it personally. But if we're not careful, we think we wave the name of Jesus around like a magic wand. If I just say in the name of Jesus, that has to happen. I'm going to tell you a story. My friend, his name's Ed Heedle. And I'm not pronouncing it right, so he just says, call me Eddie. So I call him Eddie. And when he was 30 years old, he was having some sickness symptoms, and he goes to the doctor, and very quickly, it's a series of bam, bam, bam. He is in MD Anderson Cancer Center, and they are letting him know, you have a few weeks to live. There's no cure for the cancer that you have. If you do chemo, it might give you a month or two more, but it's going to make you so sick. So you need to decide what you want to do. He's 30, y'all. He's sitting there. And oh, this is the conversation he has with God. And if you're wondering why am I crying, because the relationship is so sweet. And he says, God, I know you can heal me. He says, I know you have power over cancer. I know these doctors don't determine my destiny. He says, but you know what? If you're calling me home, I'll go home. He said, I just need to know. And this nurse comes in that he'd never seen before. And this is a very detailed man. And he, he was just, he's very detailed. When he recounts the story, he knows every detail. And he'd never seen this nurse before. And they weren't letting him bathe because of the nature of his injuries. Long story, his sickness. And she gives him a sponge bath. And she's very sweet and gentle. And she goes, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. You need to plan your future because you're not going to die. And whatever the path is to live, meaning like chemo, choose the path to life because you're not going to die. And he said something hit him like he never saw that nurse again. He chooses, I'm going to do the treatment to fight for life. They go to do surgery, y'all. The vein that had the cancerous tumor on it, he grew a new one. The surgeons are like, I, don't, I mean, like 
earthworm science. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how that happens. Miraculous. Now, let me tell you something. His healing journey, he suffered. He was exhausted. He lost weight. There were low, low, low moments. But he survived. I mean, that was like eight or nine years ago. Listen to what I'm saying. Is there healing? Yeah, we were just praying for healing, right? But putting your life in Christ's hands and saying, show me your will. Show me how to pray about this. Man, I want a baby. I want a baby so bad. I, you know, it's not me, y'all. I've had plenty. I'm, this is hypothetical. I'm, I'm good. I want grandbabies. That, yeah, Lord. Okay, but hypothetically, oh, I want a baby. I want a baby. I want a baby. I want a baby. Lord, what is your will for me? What is your will for me? Do you understand that kind of faith? Do you understand that it takes more faith to put it on the altar than to demand it's going to happen? Because that's not taught sometimes, you guys. And I'm talking about in churches. It's subtle, but it's a real thing. Look at this verse. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For the time will come, again, it's like a foretelling, when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number, a lot of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and aside to myths because it pleases that it's like, that's what I want to hear. So here's the deal. Let me give you some examples of this. We have biblical assurances. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I don't have to say, is it your will if I delight myself in you that you'll give me it's there. Yeah, it is my will. God would say, if you delight yourself in me, I want to give you the desires of my heart. Here's where we get off. When someone says, ooh, if you play this worship song and you dance this way, you're going to get the desire of your heart. If you pray this prayer, I went through a very dark valley that I needed to go through, but it was like hell on earth. And it, it started April 8, 2019. It was definitive moment. It was like pulling this rug out from under my feet. Some of y'all have heard that story. It was hellish. It was long. I begged God. I begged God to take the pain away. I had to walk it out day after day after day. And I would have people say, well, you obviously haven't been to the courtroom. You haven't done the courtroom prayer. Because if you did the courtroom prayer, you wouldn't be suffering anymore. Look, I'm all about knowing our legal rights and God and how the, the enemy uses the law against us. Like, I'm all about that. But when you start telling me my prayers aren't getting answered because I haven't prayed a certain way, I just didn't hear Jesus say that. I, I was reading a book. Is it Young Yi Cho? Am I saying that correctly? Love the man. Uh, I mean, he pioneered like the biggest church in the world. Absolutely love the man. Was reading his book. He said he was believing God for a desk, a bike, and one other thing. I don't remember what it was that he really needed. And it wasn't happening, and it wasn't happening. And then he said, God said to him by the Spirit, you're not praying specifically enough, so I can't answer your prayer. So then he began to ask for a certain kind of bike and a mahogany desk, and then he got them. <clears throat> I like that, man. I love that. If he walked in, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I can learn from you. That's not biblical. Listen, 
I, God welcomes me to, if you want to believe for not just a desk, but a mahogany desk, you go for it. But you lost me at I can't answer your prayer. By the way, Jesus, who led an example of how to pray, he said, give us this day our daily bread. He didn't say rye bread, sourdough bread. Where are you getting this? Where are you? You're making it up. And then you're teaching people and they're believing it. And it's confusing because like I said, pray specifically. Pray for a spouse that can cook. You know, I have one of those. Trust me, put that on your list. Be specific with God. He's big enough for that. But don't think I'm an error and God can't answer. But like, who put that on you? Are you with me? So listen, I get branded sometimes as critical, especially in my circle with the people who know me well. You know, the Bible says a prophet is not like revered in his hometown. That's how it feels sometimes. Because someone will say, well, you listen to this teaching. Oh my gosh, it changed my life. This is so good. And I'm like, yeah. And then I'll say, this part was good, but this, this, and this, mm mm-mm. And they get offended at me, right? And say that I'm critical. So the Lord helped me put this together because I'm like, am I critical? He said, I've given you a critical ear, not a critical heart. Again, I love the Young E. Cho guy. There were other things in that book that spoke to me. But I'm not going to sit there and say, because you are who you are, everything out of your mouth is true. I hope you're not thinking that right now. Well, Laura Gallier said it. You better go back to the Bible. And Paul commended the Bereans for taking what he said back to the word. But then somehow when I tell my friends, why don't you take that back to the word? They get offended. I'm telling you right now, I will have an experience with God. And then I'm like matching it to the word because I don't make doctrine out of experience. And I'm constantly asking my husband, I have certain friends. I'm like, does this sound right to you? The Bible says this. And I explain that I want to be accountable. I would never say I cannot be deceived. I am such a theologian. I could never be deceived. I would never say that. We need community. And guess what? In our churches, we need teachers, the office of teachers. And this is a little tricky because it's the false teachers that deceive. All right, but we need teachers who are on their face and rightly dividing the word of God and more than one teacher, but we can't keep our little pet doctrines. Well, that worked for me. That courtroom worked for me, so it must be true. The crystals are working for the junior hires. Be careful. Be careful. Listen. If you're thinking all of this is about, you know, analyzing scripture. No, God takes all of this extremely personal. Check out this analogy he totally gave me. Now, this time I was like doing folding towels. I did an online interview with a school club who did the delusion. And you come on the Zoom and they're like, you know, and you're like, you got your hair in a clip, right? And you're trying to tell my son, don't interrupt. You know, anyway, they go, what is life like? Now that you're, you know, an author, I'm like, I fold towels. I clean up dog poo because we got a puppy. You know, I mean, it's just so funny that, that misnomer. Guys, we're all, yeah, you get that, right? You have to get that. You can't buy into the stage people versus the laity. We're in the New Testament. We're all priests. There's no specials and non-specials and big important and not important. That's That's a lie. That's so like Old Testament theology. We're in the New Testament. So listen, God takes all this personally. This is what he told me. Looking for any little kids. I think I can get away with this. 
I'm telling you, I didn't think of this. This is the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, if you'll call to me, I will answer you and show you wonderful, unsearchable things you do not know. There are certain things you will never know unless you call to God to show you. And then he starts showing you profound things. So anyway, I was thinking about the fact that when my husband go on, and I go on a date night, we go out to eat and maybe we go shopping. He's ridiculous. He loves Costco. It's like this whole weird thing. He's like, can we go to Costco? I'm like, yeah, you know, um, we'll go to Costco. Um, or, or maybe we go to a movie or whatever. I think I can get away with saying this. A lot of times we have a date night. It culminates into not just emotional intimacy, but another kind. Are you with me? You follow me? And it's not like some stated thing. It just lends itself, right? We've had this evening together and I love you. And it just, it just culminates there, right? Can you imagine if my husband stood up here and told the men, Men, I'm going to tell you how to get your wife to go to bed with you. You take her to dinner. You buy her some flowers, whatever. It's like, excuse me? Are you with me? So it's confusing because there's truth to it. It is true that date night kind of lends itself. But when you start telling me you can control me, that's how God feels. There's truth to it that you can have what you say, but when you start saying, like, I'm on a leash and you can control me, and now it's a transaction and it's not relational, he's a heart God. It's personal. God is so emotional. I didn't say he's led by emotion. I didn't say he's petty. He's emotional. We can break his heart. We can grieve him. He's a jealous God. That's a good word, by the way. We, we um, transpose envy and jealousy. Let me just do this really quick. Envy is when I go, I want Jenny's boots, but I can't afford those boots, and that's not fair. I should have those boots. It's comparison and entitlement. God is not an envious God. He doesn't want anything you have. Jealousy is a beautiful thing where, like in my marriage, if my husband said, I'm going out of town this weekend and next weekend, and then I'm going to golf, and then, you know, there's a part of me that's like, ah, I want, I don't need all your time, but I'm feeling jealous for your time. That's a good thing. It's not good if I go, fine, good, I got other plans too. That's like, oh, you guys need help in your marriage, right? It's a good, jealousy's a good thing. Now, jealous, jealousy, thwart it like if he has an affair, that's pain, right? And there's toxic jealousy, which is paranoia. I saw you looking at that lady, and he's like, no, I wasn't. That's paranoia. That's demonic. Real quick lesson here. But God is jealous for your affection. Don't just take that and go, I bet that's true for everybody here. But like, it's almost like that's too good to be true. So I can't even imagine being loved by that. No. The creator of the universe does not care about me spending time with him. Yes, he does. He cares about the affection of your heart. He really does. And go ahead and read the Bible for yourself and see how he takes it when his people have idolatry. He calls it adultery. And he gets mad, but not like the strike you with lightning, like hurt, the hurt mad. He really does. Not that he won't discipline, because he will. Look, 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Now the Spirit Holy Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own 
conscience seared with a hot iron. Conscious is where it means with knowledge. It's how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And so, guys, again, we have to beware of deriving doctrine from experience. So this is a true story. I know this is being recorded. God told me I got to share it anyway, so here goes. Okay. I have a very, very dear friend whom I love and look up to, and we're close in ministry. We're really close. And she was telling me that she was listening to an Arthur Burke teaching. I do not have a critical spirit or heart. I have a critical ear, and you are welcome to say, Laura Gallier said, and hold me accountable. That's not mean to mention name of teachers, okay? Arthur Burke has a teaching called Alien Human Spirits. I had never heard of this. And my friend, who's super merciful, she has inner healing prayer. She's amazing. She's telling me that he's teaching that the soul, the human soul, can get fractured in trauma. And what can happen is, let's say that 200 years ago, right here, a person was murdered that their spirit can be trapped right here because they were murdered and they need to be released to go home. And I said, friend, help me. Where is home? Because if home is hell, no releasing. Leave them, leave them, walk around them, say hi, don't send them home. And if home is heaven, where was the Savior taking us home. Like, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around this. And she says, I don't know where home is, but I know when I was listening to the teaching, I heard a spirit say, will you release me? And I said, that sounds like a deceiving spirit. She got defensive. It wasn't going great. Then she said, but wait, Laura, my friend who sees in the spirit affirmed that she saw that there was a little girl in my apartment. And she said, I felt this little girl cling to my leg like I was her mommy because she's been traumatized by her mommy. I felt all this. And my friend who sees in the spirit affirmed she saw it. And then my other friend who was with me affirmed she's very sensitive to the spirit. This doesn't feel like a demon. This feels different. I'm like, great. All the feelsies, great. Where, I don't have a Bible alert. Where is that in the Bible? Because if you turn on the paranormal channel, they'll tell you that too. We're casting out spirits out of this place that we're stuck here. And, they, and it was so grievous because we agreed to disagree. And she said, I, I know the Holy Spirit. I would never, you're going to have to trust me on this. And I said, well, just, you know, we'll agree to disagree, and that's okay. But this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Now, does that mean everything author Burke teaches is wrong? I'm sure there's amazing things he teaches. But we can't take experience and make doctrine out of it. Are you with me? Okay. This is like my last slide. Okay. Remember, we are the bride of Christ. Christ is the husband Women are called to submit to their husbands. It's not a bad word. It's a yielding. It's a respecting. They're called to lay down their lives for us. So there's definitely an equality there. Nothing about that is unfair. But we're the bride of Christ. We don't dominate Christ. We don't boss him around. We don't tell him what to do. And in the hour that we live, you guys, we need to first and foremost know the word of God. 
I have a daily Bible that's done by date. And so I can just pick it up any day and read. It has Old Testament, New Testament, and a Psalm or Proverb. It just keeps me on track among other things, just daily, just reading the word for yourself. Study it. If you have, a, I do that all the time. I'm like, I don't understand. If Dave, King David did this and then God bless him, da, 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 my husband's like trying to go to sleep. I'm like, no, this is bothering me. Help me understand, you know? Study the word of God. Ask God, I don't understand this. Look up words, look up definitions, get in the word. But before you think I'm saying that's it, that's it, that's not it. The day that we're living in, you also have to know the heart of God because the devil knows the whole Bible. Didn't he come to, to Jesus and say, if you're the son of God, jump off this cliff and his, he will give his angels charge over you. Psalm 91, he quoted the word of God, but Jesus knowing the father knew, no, I, I'm not supposed to put God to the test. He knew him. And if you're asking, well, where does this knowing come from? Y'all, it comes here it goes. This is my last slide, Sarge. Remember this. It comes from being alone without your phone, without the TV, without any interruption, and the awkwardness and the and your 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 um, activity addicted brain is jonesing. This is for real. Every demon you've been carrying, you didn't know it's there, is screaming screaming and you're this is not an easy thing and you're having to work through it say god this is miserable i want to i want to hear from you but i'm just you got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling it, intercession is not just for women praying seeking the face of god and some of us man we're so willing to pray for people or bring up a need seek his face that's relational that's i want to know you you can show me anything about myself anything listen he can speak to you it helps to journal that now he can speak through people he can speak through a scripture that jumps off the page he can speak through dreams i mean he can speak to you when and how he wants but y'all if we never give him the chance i heard a counselor dr gilbert yesterday at the conference i was at he said that on average married couples if you add it up in one week how much they talk the whole week it would add up to an hour Statistically, we give 42 times as much screen time as we do face, like the literal FaceTime, to, to, be, to our kids. So listen, some of you, your whole families would heal if you would give undivided attention to your spouse and your kids. We're going to every program. My kids cutting my kids. Go, go in her room sit on her bed say talk to me I baby I love you I'm sorry I haven't been present I'm sorry I've been so busy and in my emails and my phone isn't even here like I just want to listen I know I can't make you talk but I'm just gonna listen is there anything you can just anything tell me anything I'm just listening undivided attention we've totally lost that we multitask like crazy we're business managers with our spouses running the household get rid of the technology I'm not not entirely I get that but just sit with your spouse ask what do you dream about what do you think about what can I pray for you about what are you thinking about and guys get with God 
And we always make excuses. Well, that's easy for you to say you work from home. I have a job. Yeah, when I had a job, I went and set up my laptop and snuck off in a copy machine room. And I could only like spend 30 minutes because I'm like, I don't want to abuse my employer's time, but they need me to pray because I'm a much better person when I pray. And I mean, you couldn't put enough in my schedule to stop me. If I had to take a day off, if I have to hire a babysitter, like what does it look like to give God your undivided attention? Because no amount of going to church and reading books and going to conferences is going to allow you to know his heart like being alone with him and he will start to show you things y'all and it's hard why am I crying because it was so hard for him to show me areas of my life like Laura you use your imagination to get through life and to cope and you deviate from reality and you got to repent for this and he would show me things that I didn't like to see He would show me where I was double-minded. He would show me where I was afraid. And y'all, he's so gentle. One day he takes me back to this memory and he's like, we're going through this really painful memory of when my mom was dropping me off at daycare. And I just randomly, it was just like this random day and I just begged her, don't drop me off, please. Just not today, just please not today. And she said, no, you have to go. And she took me in there and she lied about why I was crying. She said she stubbed her toe. That's confusing, you know? Why is my mom lying? Like, I'm crying because I want to be with my mom today. And she dropped me off, and the Lord said, "Let's let's revisit that memory." And I'm like, "Oh, it hurts, God. I don't I don't like this." So I'm like, "Okay, I get it. I felt rejected. You know, rebuked, seed of rejection. How do we get past this?" You know what the Holy Spirit said to me? We're just gonna grieve that today. I was like, that's so sweet, God. I don't know anyone who would just care about my heart so much. Y'all, no one is going to love you like you deserve, but God, no one. And we're trying sometimes so hard. I mean, we want to have filling, loving marriages, but we want so hard for someone to love us perfectly. And the only one who can, we're not spending time with him. So whatever that excuse is, I mean, and, and there are times and seasons, right? You got two infants. I mean, what is the story of the lady who would just put her apron over her head because she had so many kids? And she'd just get on her knees, you know, and just pray under her apron. Like, I get it. We don't always have ideal times. But it's a heart thing. Do y'all see what I'm saying? It's not a time thing. It's a heart thing. And, and, and God's heart breaks when he's not important enough to you. And so you say, why are you crying? Is it like, are you just being an emotional female? I told you God's emotional and the Holy Spirit, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling him saying, you don't think it breaks my heart when you won't talk to me, when you won't come to me, when you try to fix things and you won't even ask me and you keep thinking the problem is this. If you just spend time in my presence, I'll show you what the issue is. But you're running from me because that's what we do. We run and we hide and we do the shame thing. And we're called to come naked and unashamed. And some of the most awkward times I've had with God is like, I don't know how to fix this. Like I have this weird sinful thing and I, I don't even know how to fix it. But but saying I'm going to bring it into the light is so uncomfortable. I'd rather come feeling like, man, temptation came and I overcame. No, what about the times when you don't? What about the times when you realize like I'm addicted to this whatever? Can you bring that into his presence? And just so you know, there may not be a breakthrough prayer. It's gone. You may walk that out for years. Don't let anyone deceive you. Does God do breakthrough miracle prayers? Absolutely. I've seen people go, oh my gosh, the addiction's gone. But he may not do that with you. I had to walk out my mental and emotional anguish for basically three years before I started feeling normal. 
And then I felt so much better than normal because I had shed all this stuff. But I had people judge me like, it's been a year. You're still going through torment. They want all Job's friends on me. Do you have sin in your life? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just trusting God. Don't reduce him to formulas. Take him at his word. But this is coming, and and I'm telling you, if you'll know the word and you'll know the heart of God, you won't get swept up in that deception, but you have to spend time with him. And if you don't want to, if you go, God, I, I hear what you're saying, I just start there. Say, God, I don't want to spend time with you, and I don't even know why, but I'm gonna at least give you the honor of telling you I'm struggling to even want to. Will you show me why and let him, let him, Start doing this, and then you're going to wrestle. Was that me? Was that God? We're going to wrestle through all that. But you get better and better. Now, I know that was God's voice and not mine. And you get better and better and better at hearing Him and knowing emotion from His voice. Are you with me? So I hope you're feeling His love and call and jealousy over you. Father, I thank you, Lord that we trust your ability to lead us is bigger than the enemy's ability to deceive us. But Lord, we have to, what was that verse we looked up? Follow. We have to follow you and be with you and know you so you can lead us. And Lord, I would just ask that very practically that you would show us what that looks like for each one of us. How to not multitask. We pray while we do the dishes. We pray while we drive. That's awesome. What would it look like to have consistent times of giving you our undivided attention? And our spouse, if we're married, and our children, if we have children, and the people in our lives, what would that start to look like? And Father, I just pray that any demonic opposition that would try to interfere, you will show us how to overcome that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To find out more, visit thecollectivechurch.com.